Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Always Forward Podcast, and I'm here with uh, Mike the Cop. What is your real name? <laughs> my, my, my real name is Mike Edwards. Mike Edwards. And, uh, Mike the Cop sounds cooler. <laughs> yeah, although, um, yeah, yeah, you'll be the first public outlet to know that I'm retiring Mike the Cop, actually. So really? This will be the this will be the last public interview where I'll, maybe everybody will always know me as that on some level, I guess. But yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to get away from at this point, probably. <laughs> but right? um, so you were a real cop. You weren't just like a a meme cop. Yeah, I was not just a cop on the internet. I was a real cop for eleven years. Uh, where at? Uh, in the Detroit area, like bordering jurisdictions to to the city. I never worked in the city proper. Okay. What um. So what years? Tell me, tell me the your, the years of service in the in, uh, the, in the muck. Two thousand nine uh, is when I entered the academy, and then turned in everything for the last time uh, last July, like like headed into July fourth time zone, end of June, early July there. Okay. Yeah. Um. So you were older when in twenty twenty. I'm sorry. So twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah. So you were older when you went in. Yeah, I didn't. I started when I was thirty-three, Whoa. so I was I was definitely older. What'd you do before that, man? I've been a serial entrepreneur for most of my life. So it's uh, I was I had a window washing company was like the one of the main things that I did, and I played on a professional blackjack team uh, for a <laughs> while. So I, I had a couple of different gigs going, and then Mike, the, I think that's just gambling. I don't know if that's entrepreneurial. Uh, work. <laughs> like that's, that's actually an addiction. That's an addiction, uh, I mean, sir. You might not seek help for that. If you're still doing. I that. call it. I call it a job. It made me feel better about myself. Uh, <laughs> no. So yeah. Then the all the nonsense happened in the housing industry, yep. and lost a bunch of bigger clients. And I decided. I, I just sold the sold the company off like for dirt cheap to my one employee, and was like, "Here you go. I'm going to go to the police academy." <laughs> Excellent, man. So what did you do? I mean, obviously you were a patrol for a while. What did you do? What, I mean, tell, talk to me a little bit. Like, give me the rundown of your your uh, career and then I'm going to get in some meat. Yeah, man, it was pretty, I, I had a pretty, pretty straightforward career all in patrol uh, for the most part. I, my first job that I got hired at, I got laid off. Um, those cuts were really deep. We got laid off in 2012 and uh, I was I was caught up in that uh, big layoff, <clears throat> and it was due to some city corruption, uh, lies, <laughs> just typical politics stuff. Um, yeah, a lot of those guys, a lot of those guys got their jobs back, but it turns out that when you write a letter that says that I don't want, ever want to work for uh, a liar and say that to admin's face and send it in an email. <laughs> doesn't work they out. Doesn't. They don't tend to call you back. So yeah. I uh, I went on to a different a different department and kind of had to start over again. I uh, had to go through the training process and yeah. then eventually became a training officer. And that was really, um, that was really my, my mainstay outside of like your normal patrol. I did interdiction, drug interdiction on the mm-hmm. expressway. So I was out there uh, trying to get guns and dope off the, off the main roads in and out of the city. And yeah, that was, that was mostly it. And then what uh, was your- like the cop, go ahead. I was just saying that then the Mike the Cop thing sort of like popped into the mix and that created other opportunities and uh So that started before yeah. you before you got out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um 
which I'm, I imagine did a little bit of good, actually. Probably some more positive PR than than anything. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think so. Um, there's probably some people that disagree, but I think that um, the attention it drew to some of the nonprofit work we were doing and the, and the good that we've been able to bring to the table to um, organizations and, and cops, I think... Uh, I think internally a lot of cops appreciate what we've done over the years with that. I like it. I mean, hell, even your training, your your joke videos to me are training videos. I'm like, no, literally, <laughs> you should watch this. <laughs> um, so, oh man. Um, so, what was your mindset back then? Like, what, when you were getting into, when you were, you know, being patrol or doing drug interdiction or doing. Um, on the highway. I mean, guns, I can get that bad guys with guns. That's a bad thing. But like, where was your, where was your head at? what do you think was going on? Uh, with regard to just the job, like, was it, were you, was there any sort of like morally where you're like, fuck yeah, we're beating down the bad guys. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously political, you know, you went through what you say, 2009. Yeah. So like you went through quite the ups and downs of, the political yeah. climate as a cop, right? Like good times, yeah. bad times, really bad times. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, like when I came on, I was competing with so many people to get into the Academy, right. into, into a department. I mean, you were, you were taking tons of civil service exams. You were out there doing interviews and you were up, you were stacked up against, you know, everybody who is performing at their best to get uh, to get hired into good good reputable departments and all that stuff and then now <laughs> now they're like what'd you say you've you've uh you got you got your ged uh let's check your pulse uh yeah that seems that seems good enough you can make a you can make a good cop because who wants um, to do that job right now yeah exactly so um yeah i saw a lot of ups and downs i think i think every cop has a life cycle and when you're brand new, you don't know, you know, absolutely nothing. I mean, it's just deer in headlights. I think it helped that I was a little bit older. Yeah. I already had kids, already had a family, already kind of had some life experience under my belt. Very, very different than some of the young guys that I would train that literally delivered pizzas and mom and dad paid for college. And then they have a CJ degree yeah, and never, it, been, never been in a fight. And they just, they step into this world. But every cop's like that for the first year. You just don't know what you're doing. You're, you're really learning then you hit your stride and, and you feel like you're making a difference and and you are making a difference in the individual circumstances. Yeah. Everybody seems to think, oh, I'm gonna change I'm gonna change the world. Uh, and then you realize politicians run police departments and you're like, Oh shit. I uh, all I have is the individual person that I can deal with that's right in front of me that I can help or hurt in the moment. And that has to you have to learn to make that be enough for you because you will not you will not change the the political System. forces right as a so all you have yeah. is what's in front of you yeah i imagine it's a lot like the military too right like i i imagine there's there's a lot of you know in my experience there is a lot of transfer between the two sure um and so when you get in, you know, you're all, you're green eyed and, you know, bushy tailed, you're all excited to do the thing. But if you get in as an older person, you realize what the BS is out the gate. Mm -hmm. Like you came in at yeah. what, 33, 31? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 33. 33. Like you knew going into there was going to be some political BS in, 
you know, that you mm -hmm. had to deal with, but you could call it for what it was, you know, you expected yeah. it, you know, I think it shocks young guys coming in when they realize that there's a political aspect and there's, there's bullshit involved in the job. It's like, surprise. <laughs> yeah, usually it's like year year three to five, right. somewhere in there, depending on how busy your department is. And by the time you get to that level of experience, yeah. you're like, you know, what's going on around here? This isn't what I thought it was going to be. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then about 11, 12, you're burnt out, angry, drinking way too much coffee. Yeah, no, no cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, there should be no cops on the road past year 10. There's eight, years eight to 10. If you're if you're at a moderate to busy department, you're it, you're done. You need yeah. to be. There, you need to be reassigned. We, I mean, there's a that's a whole other conversation, but we need to reimagine policing, but not not in the way that pop culture thinks we do. But there's a, there's, there's some yeah, things that need to be fixed for of sure. Course. There is a and then not, not even that, but I've talked to you know I I was uh, one of the entry level guys when when they started pushing the TSAC program through the NSCA. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but uh -huh. uh, basically tactical you know tactical readiness, military law enforcement, first responders. Um, mm -hmm. looking at those guys that are, you know, 10, you know, essentially eight to 12 years and what look at, it's funny because if you look at a military guy or any sort of first responder, they always, they all start having the same issues around the, <laughs> around the 10 to 12 year mark. Yep. You know, hips, back, shoulders, <laughs> you know, all the stuff. And it is because, you know, you got a patrol guy that's been sitting in his car for 10 years and essentially he goes from sitting to sprinting within a second and all of a yep. sudden you've got to do all these sort of things. Um, <laughs> well, you're lucky to find a 10 or 12 year old year guy sprinting anymore. <laughs> right. He's probably like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Just we'll catch you around the block. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but there, there is, there is a, a, you know, a level of, um, you know, I, I guess you could say tactical burnout, um, that needs to be addressed, but you know, um, they don't, they'll just, nope. they'll just use, use, use until you're all done. And then they'll, you know call you a piece of shit and boot you out the door. Yeah. Yep. You'll be forgotten. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's some, somebody, some other guy that's really excited. will take your place. Mm -hmm. Um, so man, I want to bring up that I just launched. I don't know if you, you've caught any episodes of the always forward podcast, but I just got a Venezuelan who's, I think he's about to turn 50 who's running for, uh, political office. He's been a he's been here since he's twenty years old. Ex, you know, escaped communism, came here for the American dream, mm -hmm. and now there's all these like red flags popping off, right, in what's going on in our country. And um, he basically, and I posted a clip. I don't know if you caught it. It was a clip on on. Instagram. I didn't. I, I I saw that the episode was live because I the last one I listened to was <clears throat> I can't remember the exact title, but. A three hundred pound man transformation, like that's the last one I heard. Oh, I, Jerry, I saw that you yeah. had, Killing I saw that you had the new episode man. up, but yeah, yeah. So it was interesting that the clip that I put on Instagram was basically talking about how they're how the they are strategically going trying to create a national police force. Absolutely. So, uh, and basically the whole concept of like demonizing police, mm -hmm. vilifying them, right? the whole this across the board then defunding the police and then the crime goes up and essentially this is what it is talk shit about the police say they're not doing the job defund them the crime goes up now they need help and and it's so politically charged that you he said cops are not just looking the other way because they'd rather just keep their job and not deal with it vice deal with it and essentially get locked up themselves or fired or you know charged or whatever 
he said, so the crime goes up and then the best, the next thing they basically do is now the federal government is funding the local police, which they have say, and that just leads to, you know, a nationalized police force. So that was his Correct. stance. And when I, when he laid it out that way, I'm like, Oh man, he goes, yeah, no, hey. it's he, and he goes, dead, the reason why that on. I know this is because it's exactly what they did in Venezuela. It, you know, they went from the fourth top, the fourth top, uh, wealthiest country in the world. And then like, was it late nineties, mid nineties? To now, I mean, everybody, well, not everybody, but the, those that know, know that it's, it's, you know, it's a communist country and, and, and people yep. are really, really struggling there. Um, so anyways, with all that said, Mike, what do you, what do you, what's going on? What, what's, <laughs> <laughs> unravel well, that ball of yarn for me. Dude, I mean, that it's dead on. That's exactly, I mean, there, I, I, I do believe there is an, a, there is an agenda. Now, what makes it complicated is the fact that there's just so much diversity across so many places and departments, you can't just go, you, you can't just say, hey, we want a national police force. But what happens is you end up um, getting all these people stumbling over themselves trying to get accreditations, uh, which means that you meet certain federal guidelines or these guidelines to qualify for certain funding and things like that. And all of a sudden, the government has its hands in your police department because now you're operating with their money. And then so what those is, when, rules when they and say, guidelines will change. Yeah, when they say that, explain what that means. Like you're saying the rules, like now they have, because he mentioned that, but he didn't break down what that meant. So they get they give you money, they have more say. What do you foresee that being? Well, I mean, if they're going to say, well, you're going to have to change your use of force policy. You're going to have to change uh, this this policy with regard to uh, hiring and the diversity in hiring and uh, on down that list, or you'll lose your accreditation, you'll lose your funding, and that will do what? It'll just put, put that community further back uh, in crime and in perception. There's all sorts of things that would fall out if a, if the good people start to leave, which they are in, yeah. in massive amounts across I the mean, country. I mean, you left in 2020, yes. you left. Right. Because I'm not dumb. <laughs> um, and there's, and there's a lot of cops that are very, have a high level of integrity, take their jobs very seriously. They train on their own dime, their own time. They work hard. They, they, their, their compass points North and they're grinding it out. Um, to their own detriment in a lot of ways, uh, because again, they're they're battling a system that they are not going to change um, at at that micro level. But um, what they they leave and what what the communities are going to be left with are bad cops. And when I say bad, I mean people who are incapable of doing the job well, right? Intellect intellectually or or um, physically or physically, yeah, and. Or B, you're left with corruption, uh, because now they seize corrupt cops will seize on the opportunity, uh, because nature doesn't like a vacuum, and so they'll scoop up everything that they can as far as corruption goes, and that's what they're going to be left with. And the federal government putting their their qualifications on what it's going to take for us to fund you uh, and keep your department, you know, with with good technology and growth and all that stuff is going to require policy changes and admin will be more than happy to go along with these these policy changes to to get funding and then 
then the the whole landscape changes. So they're 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 doing it smartly, but it's already done. People by the time people wake up and realize it, it will be done. Um, because the tro- the Trojan horse is already inside, man, and, yeah. and they're they're it's already opened up. It's it's like oh, well here we are. So what do we do <clears throat> on on a macro, <sighs> on a macro scale? Obviously, it has to be. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Is it a macro scale? Is it a micro scale? Does it start with the department? Does it start with the federal government reform? Like how, something has to be done. Otherwise, we're in a sh- really shitty sandwich. Well, yeah, no, I mean the the sandwich has been made. So the 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 <laughs> A tremendous shift in people's views of individual or personal responsibility, recovering a sense of individual individual responsibility for my life, uh, a victor mindset, not a victim mindset in my yeah. own life, leading my family or respectively whoever fill in the blank, your family, lead, re- recovering the power of the nuclear family. And then you have to get involved. You have to take that and then you have to actually get involved in your local political landscape. Um, People are talking about like, I don't really like politics. Dude, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's kind of like a fish saying, I don't like water. It doesn't really matter whether you 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 like it. That's where you're at. It's, it's, It's your environment. It's the context. And so people who kind of, I think for a long time, we've become so complacent and I include myself in that too, where it's like, Hey man, as long as I have my coffee and I just do my thing, I keep my head down. I I handle my own business. That's good enough. And I get left alone. Yep. Yeah. They don't, well, who cares? Who cares if they're grooming children through entertainment right now, as long as I can avoid it, you know, like it's not a big deal. And there's just so many ways in which, um, there's so there's so many assaults kind of inward, and we we have to go on the offense is is essentially what it is. We can't sit back and just play defense and then kind of bitch and moan to our base, as it were. Um, even and I've realized this too. My big mistake is that I think that I started out on social media saying I want to help communicate. Uh, truth in a way in the law enforcement space that helps change people's minds. And I think that I've done that on some level in some ways. Well, I think it shows for like, from that point of view, I think it shows the human, the human side of, of people. Like there's so, it's so easy to look at a law enforcement officer and not see a human being mm -hmm. because of the job. But they, they, they lose the, they like at the end of the day, that's a, that's a dad. It's a husband. It's a son, just like anyone else. Like yep. they go home, and they have to they have, they have to deal with all the same shit that we all have to deal with at the, same, at the right. end of the day. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. So I mean, I, I think we have to go. I just think we have to go on the offense. We have to take it seriously and and not just speak to ourselves. I mean, That's how easy saying. is it? How easy is it to swing a swing a a, a bat at at Biden's gaffes? I mean, it's super easy. <laughs> I do it all yeah. the time because he's yeah. a complete moron. Uh, but it's so it's easy. But what does that accomplish? How, what am I? What am I actually doing? I can Nothing. post a meme about yeah. Biden on my social media. But what have I done in in my community? And I think right. that that's where we in this age at at a macro level, the agenda is this: get everyone plugged into the metaverse keep everyone thinking only at a macro level, keep them divided uh, on their thought sides. 
And I think the battle is moving from digital to analog and taking the battle into the real world where I really live, having real world conversations, having real world influence, not to be, not to be falsely under the impression that if I have X number of thousands of people on social media that follow me or friend request me or whatever else, that they're my friends. It does like real life doesn't work that way. And we just yeah. got like this giant shroud over our eyes our collective eyes and we've we've got to like start poking holes in it and uh and go on the offense and hope hope that we can do that over a long enough period of time to start pushing back at, at what's happening you sure you didn't listen to that podcast because this is all I'm positive really I, i'm really i'm familiar. positive that he basically positive that it we, popped up on my screen in my car on the way here as a new episode that I need to listen to. And I was like, oh, oh you're going to listen like, to that. I, I, that one needs to go freaking viral, which it probably won't. But that's the one out of all the ones that I've done. And I've done some freaking awesome podcasts over the years. That one at this point in time needs to be listened to. Like, because his yeah. point of view, he basically said we've been tricked. Mm -hmm. We've been tricked into only focusing on the federal government and, yes. not, at, and not at the at the community government. Not yeah. at the city council, not at the board of board of school, uh, board of uh, education. You know? Bro, it's it's scary. You don't even want to go out and ask seniors in high school what the three branches of government are. You don't even want to ask that, dude. Yeah, it's, and, uh, and he goes, and basically that's sad. that's how we fix things. You want to fix things? You fix things at the at your at your city, county, and state level. He said that's a. He's like they want you. They want you to focus on the big fish because that's something yeah. they can manipulate very easily. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, and, and he, they said, again, they did the exact same thing in Venezuela. And yeah. so you're echoing something and I, and I'm guilty of it, dude. I'm, I fell right so into I. it. So I fell I. right into yeah. it. And, uh, I didn't, and before, before the pandemic, I, I didn't, no one even knew in on social media, what my religious or political affiliations was because mm -hmm. I didn't think it mattered. Yeah. I was like, dude, listen, I've served 12 years in the military. I served in special operations. I went to fucking war. I went, I was gone from 12 years of service. I was gone for six when it was done when I, and then I contracted for a year and a half when I was done, dude, I was like, I'm done, bro. I don't want any of your bullshit. <laughs> right. I just want to go make my money, run my businesses, grow my family, you know, and that's it. Be left alone. Yeah. And then, and yeah, then some, you're, then you're some, in good company, right? You go back yeah. to the revolutionary war, dude, there, you, I mean, you're, you're not an idiot and you, you know, the, you know, our history, right? Most people wanted to just farm and raise their families. They didn't want to fight in the Revolutionary no. War. They didn't want to do that. It was a very small minority. It was only 40,000 people that fought in that thing. Like, it's not a lot of people that stood up and actually said, oh, hell no. Like, yeah. you know, and I don't, I don't think it takes, you know, 40 million of us. I think it just takes, I mean, look how small of a, a minority of people shift uh, media and yeah. And news. I mean, look how small of a percentage of people that actually really believe that stuff. It's very small, oh, but yet so they have a tremendous amount of influence. Single, so. single digits, small, single yeah. digits. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until, and and it's funny because it goes on to talk about the, the, you know, that we we got tricked into be calling the silent majority. You yeah. guys, are the, you guys yeah. are the majority. Just stay silent. Yeah. Just. just shh. And, and he and he did, and they did, they yeah. did until. Um, until a bunch of cops raided my gym, you know about that, right? Yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, that's I mean, that's one of the re that was one of the the final easy exits for me because when I I shifted from full time to part time and still kept my foot like in in I think both I vaguely, worlds. I remember I remember that. Yeah, 
Yeah. So it was like, for me, uh, you know, showing up to work and they're like, oh, you have to go check on these, these businesses, these restaurants and make sure there's no people in it. I'm like, why? Uh, well, because of the governor's thing. I'm like, that's not the law. I'm not enforcing that. That's not my business. I'm not, I'm not the arm of the governor to enforce executive orders. That's not how life works. That's not how the system works. Well, you have, you know, the chief says you have to, well, the, the chief can suck my nuts. I ain't doing that. <laughs> like that's, that's not going to happen, you know? But so how it's, many, it's, but how many people were gung ho to do that? Too, too many. It was, it was, uh, for in that season of life, the reality is most, I think most people places didn't really give business owners a hard time. I think most places didn't, but, uh, even, even cops like wearing the masks around at work and all that stuff. And I'm just like, that was a moment for me that was super sad, honestly, because I, I, I had been kind of beating the drum for so long of, Hey, listen, most cops are good people. You know, you don't see most, most the, of the normal, perfectly fine interactions and perfectly executed arrests and everything else don't they, don't they don't make the news they don't make the body cam footage because they're boring and they're normal and uh but during that time i'm just like man i just can't uh i can't justify that i can't justify this nonsense and i'm like and way too many people went along to get along and it was that was a moment for me that was the wake up call where it's like I got to start being ready to do what is necessary to guard my family and be, be ready. Like people think I'm kidding when I say like, I have like multiple plans for where I will go if I need to get somewhere. (laughs) That's not my house. (laughs) Like, um, some in this state, some in others. And, uh, but dude, there's, there's a lot of hope. I think I, I, I I don't want to be all doom and gloom. Like I have a friend of mine, he pastors a, a congregation, uh, uh, in Southern Ohio. And he's, he's not alone. There are several people beginning to really, um, he, ha- he has this big thing called County Before Country and they're strategically choosing in their, in their denomination to send people out to start churches. And as they're raising people up in those shared values and beliefs, they're strategically picking places that are big enough and close enough to something major that they can actually have influence and small enough to actually change on a local level. And so they're stacking school boards, they're stacking um, businesses, uh, political offices, and they're really shifting a culture in small town America. And that's what's going to have to happen. We have to get involved in those local levels. Because we got complacent in the American dream. They're Mm -hmm. like, it's awesome. Life is good. And And then they took advantage. So now mm-hmm. we have to go backwards. And like you said, we have to get loud and we got to take the fight back to them. And not necessarily, yeah. not not fighting, was not, it's not what I'm saying, but yeah. effort, work, yes, sacrifice. Yes. Mm-hmm. The you advantage know. we have is that they're stupid. Like the, <laughs> right. the, the far left is really dumb. Um, right. And they've, but we've given them, I, I, don't, I don't, we've phoned it in. You know, yeah, we've, we've just exactly. been, uh, we've, yeah. we've been phoning it in and it's time. I think when we really step up, I think we can push back and gain some serious ground in a, in a very quick period of time. And I, I think it's, it comes down to those shared values put into practice on an analog level. 
I think that was it might have been you that posted it um, when when all that stuff was going down, or maybe even afterwards, talking about uh, the people that going back to the you know the cops that were either you know enforcing the these executive orders or um, or just going along with it or you know whatever whatever um, being being quiet about it. It, it reminds me, and I think, that, like again, I think you posted about it, talking about the, you know, the Nazi Reich, saying how many people that were involved in that, that literally their excuse was, I was just doing what I was told. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And did, did you feel that same? Did you can make that connection back then? Or is that something that happened afterwards? Or did you even hear that? Like, hey, man, I'm just, I'm doing a job. I got to, I got to promote, you know, I got to support my family. Was that even yeah, a thought? I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that I lost friends, but I lost a lot of people that, you know, followed me, and you know, because we were we were on different sides there. Yeah, like there, we were on very very different sides. There is there is no. Well, I mean, I I wouldn't, I just wouldn't have enforced unlawful things, right? Yeah. Like, that it's just, it was. It's freaking scary when when one politician, in a governor in our case, yeah. and in your case, really, yeah, same. Uh, yeah. across the country, where one person can make an executive order and armed men go out and enforce it. That's that's freaking scary, dude. Like to where uh, maybe cops should be only enforcing laws that have actually gone through due process right? Um, to where the people have voted and determined that this is a law that we want to enact that is for the good of our community. One person having that kind of executive power over, uh, I, I literally over men with guns is a bad, bad, bad idea. I hope that guy can never work in law enforcement again, but I asked that clown... Uh, when he one of the times he came i'm not sure it was the raid i think it was afterwards when i opened back up or whatever um but i asked him i said hey excuse me. oh that's what it was when when i wouldn't give in to their like threats when they knew they couldn't waver me i mean you have to take me to jail i was prepared to go to jail i mean what are they gonna yeah. charge me with i go to jail then what i mean yeah they're gonna let me go um, Char- charge you with violating the governor's orders what what is that what's what the penalty that? for that i don't know what but so they switched their they switched their their focus on the members. So they were harassing the members of the gym. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of, that really bothered me. I was like, dude, you can beat me up. You can hit me, do whatever you want to do with me, but don't they like, these are just tax paying law abiding citizens trying to work out some frustration in the gym. Yeah. You know, balance out their mental health a little bit, get some dopamine going, feeling good, you yeah. know, trying to, trying to get look, looking good naked. That's our goal. Look good naked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just leave them alone. Or I don't know if if being healthy is the the number one way to battle this this pandemic. Right. right. God forbid we we stop people from accomplishing that. Accomplishing being he- healthy? No. Yeah. Um, but I asked him, and it's on the video. I said, I said, hey, what statute are they breaking? What is the actual statute that you're going to charge these people with? He just, I, I, we got, I think my business partner is the one that got it on video on his phone. He, he I asked the question. He literally just rolling up his window. That's, that <laughs> yeah. was it. He didn't exactly. answer. Yeah. So yeah, there and, you go. There and you that's go. it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, it's crazy. So you, so that was that, was that a strategic move to leave, to leave law enforcement right around then? Or is it, did it happen 
outside of that or no i would have i as far as i was concerned i would have just kept my part-time gig i mean i was a little frustrated because when you when you go to something like that where you switch a department and you go to a smaller department basically that is that has a handful of full-time guys and you get part-time to fill in for vacations and all that stuff i mean i had been a cop for all those years and now all of a sudden i'm the weekend midnight guy I mean, there was a lot of Monday mornings where I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Why am yeah. I doing this? You know, yeah. but I still, it still kept coming back to going like, I'm doing this on that weekend for the same reasons I did it the first time. Right. Like for me, I'm like, this is a more about me than it is about anything else. But then, um, when that whole Rayshard Brooks shooting happened in the Wendy's parking lot down in Atlanta, uh, that was like a big wake up for me. And that was all happening um, that was all happening at the same time as the pandemic stuff was coming. And it just all kind of came to a head because I was like, okay, I am, I'm off doing, doing business now. My family went through, ha has gone through this decade of a lot of, a lot of difficulty. Um, we lost people very dear to us, you know, yeah. through, yeah. through our connections in law enforcement and, and anybody that's been in law enforcement long enough is going to lose people that matter to them. And it's going to, you know, you, you go through what, that that's whole the, experience. That's the real trauma right there. And I try to explain people that to that about, about, uh, in the military, same is like killing bad guys is not what bothers right. people. Yeah. It's, it's losing your brothers and your sisters. That's what, that's the yeah. shit that stays with you forever. That's For sure. Because bad guys are going to, are going to be the, the, the Cops and robbers is is going to forever be a thing, and that's right. kind of part of part of the deal. But yeah, you go through all those experiences, and I think, what am I doing here? Because this guy, um, Garrett Rolfe, who got strung up and fired within 24 hours of of shooting Rayshard Brooks, and um, totally justifiable, and he gets railroaded, yeah. charged. Now he's since kind of come back from that and 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 winning in the legal yeah. side of things, but. I'm starting to see this happen. I go, I am one traffic stop, one call away from being that guy. And for what? Weekend warrior shit? I'm like, I, I'm like, my family was willing to go along and support me and put me out as a potential one of those names that, that would be lost. They supported in that. And now... They could take everything that I've worked so hard for on my business side overnight simply because I do my job. And I'm like, and then combine that right on the heels of, of all this pandemic stuff. I'm just like, you know, now, now is the right time for me to say I'm not, I'm not meant for this anymore because for, for all those reasons. One, my family doesn't deserve to keep, keep doing the stress. Yeah. And two, I, you know, they – I'm not going to be that example. They're just not going to make that of me. They're not, they won't catch me slipping like that. <laughs> so. Yeah, no kidding. Did you talk to your wife when, when you were like, Hey, I think I'm going to pull, pull out. Yeah. I mean that, that conversation was had and I think ultimately it was the right time. Kind of like, are you sure? Cause I mean, people know people who really know me, they know like, you like this to, job, th you like this job wasn't job. just a, wasn't just a paycheck. I don't know. Yeah, just it wasn't yeah. just that for me. God, it's not a paycheck. Like you, you couldn't. Oh do my something. gosh, <laughs> yeah, right. I was broke as a joke, dude. Like, yeah, this is <laughs> hence the reason I started doing side hustles again, and you know, had to like do something because you can only work so many hours of overtime before you want to, you know, lose your mind. <laughs> well, that's and not not that not to mention that's a whole other issue with 
with that job, right? Like you're yeah. getting people to, you're you're paying bottom, the bottom of you, what you get is the bottom. Like unless yeah. you just like, hey, I want to go serve the people, roll yeah. the dice, you know. Yeah, you want to. When people sign up for this job now, they're basically saying, if you're the if you're the right kind of person, you're like, do you want to do this for a ridiculously low amount of money? Do you want your entire life, personal and professional, to constantly be under a microscope? Right. Do you want to walk around a landmine of you're the next guy for the next whatever number of years? Um, and that's where I think we have a lot to learn from the military um, in law enforcement is you have deployments and then you have a period where you're not deployed. And the problem is in law enforcement, you're, it's, it, your law enforcement career is is um, a hundred yards football field, and they tell you, okay, there's a thousand mines across this field. Retirement is in the other end zone. Now, only one of these mines will blow up. See you in 25 years. That's what it is. That's and a you're great like, analogy. And so, so because people are like, well, eventually well it's, a, it's a relatively safe job, statistically speaking. You're right. Yeah, yes. All things being equal, I'm never going to shoot somebody. Right. And I'm never going to be shot. That's, that is like these, yes, statistically. But there's something that one there. in a thousand yeah. is always an ever present thing every single day. And while you're dealing with that, you've got your admin and you've got the public constantly scrutinizing every single word out of your mouth, every single action you take behind the wheel, every word you type in a report, it's everything all being recorded. for 25 yeah. years, you were yeah. being scrutinized yeah. and uh, we're just not built for it. Um, very, very few people are built for that. So I, that, that was a, uh, I did a podcast a long time ago. It's actually, I think the third top performing podcast on the always forward podcast. And it was, uh, it was with a, a, I don't know what you would call him. They basically like the SWAT kind of like the special operations of law enforcement. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, he, he had a really big, big case and he basically got, do you remember the chicken man from, uh, from breaking bad? Yes. <laughs> yes. He got that guy for North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. It was a bigger, it was a bigger deal. Wow. He was, he was like trucking meth through his shipping company, like lots of meth. Right. And uh, anyways, they tracked the money and he actually got him through the money. And anyways, nice. he came on. Now he's now he's a marshal. But uh, he came on the podcast and he was talking about that story. But he was talking about how he was also former military, but he uh, how we go on deployment. Right. And then we come home. Now, of course, you know, most guys are like dealing with that stuff that, you know, at home. Sure. Yeah. Comes home. Mm -hmm. But you guys get a bad call. And what he calls it, he goes, it, you have to be from shit to shine in five minutes. Yeah. Like you mm -hmm. leave some kid being shot and you're done and then you're home in five minutes. Like yeah, home with that, your kids and your wife. Yep. I was, uh, that, I was that, on that, that concept was like, holy shit. Yeah. People don't tend to think, think of it like that. And, and I didn't, I had family that was in law enforcement and like I, I was friends with cops. So like I kind of had a vibe for the culture, but uh, I remember phase two in FTO, I was working midnight. So field training uh, for me, after the academy, you have uh, like four months of field training and then you're on probation. So um, phase two, I went to a house where um, there was like, 
I don't know how many kids, dude, a dozen or more kids in this little cardboard shack. And somebody rolled over and literally just suffocated like uh, an infant, a few months old. And so I'm in the back of the ambulance doing CPR on this, this infant and dealing with the fact of I've got all these morons inside that just killed a kid basically. And then we get to the hospital. My, my job's done, right? Like I tried to save the kid's life and this happens. And then what, 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 what happens? I get to go, I get to go home and, and, uh, chill out for a couple of days. No, 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 no. That was at like, you know, one in the morning. I still have six hours of my shift left. I'm, wow. I'm shagging more calls by an hour later. I'm on a different call, man. You know, like maybe, maybe I'm backing somebody up on a traffic stop and someone's giving me lip and whatever, whatever's going on. It's like, yeah, you do, do that. People, humans are not made to do that for 25 years. That is, that's, it's a really, oh, and that's, that's a really the, bad thing to do to people. <laughs> yeah, because you know, and people, you know, people talk about, and this is one of the things when you get into therapy. I'm a very, I'm very, very vocal and against exposure therapy. Exposure therapy is what is basically like the what the VA does or what t- traditional therapy is. Is like let's talk about all the things that happen to you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, what that is is that's exactly how you create child soldiers in Africa. You mm-hmm. just expose them to horrible shit. Over and over and over and over and over until your brain doesn't care anymore. Yeah. We're supposed to feel these things. We're supposed to be sad. We're supposed yes. to have empathy. We're supposed to feel the loss of a child. We're so su- these are normal things. Mm-hmm. Yep. But when you desensitize these people, to, and like you said, like you you deal with the death of an infant of just some idiots, you know, some drugged up mother that rolls over and their, their infant, and actually it's it's weird. It sucks that you just told that story because that literally just happened down in Wilmington uh, to another law enforcement officer that, that goes to our gym, our jiu-jitsu yeah. gym. Same exact story. They had a bunch mm-hmm. of kids. She got high on meth and rolled over, and that was it. Um, anyways, but you, then you just have to go to the next thing. And, and what happened, and then what? this is what bothers me is you go on that call, and somebody gets lippy, and you just had to deal with this, and you're frazzled. Yeah. And right, yeah, and from the perspective of the person who is like, well, why is this cop being such a such a jerk to me? Right, and rightfully so, right? Like right. if if they're like making a complaint and expecting a police to the police to come and take a report and empathize with their situation, yeah, from from their perspective, I would say a hundred percent. You have the you 100%. you have yes. a, a fair expectation to be treated professionally and kindly. And with, with all due respect to your circumstances, you deserve that. Right. But I might not be able to give it to you or, right. you know, whatever else. Your or, situation or I, seems really I to learn. fucking stupid to me after what yeah. I just dealt with just two seconds yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to learn. You and, and good cops do learn how to sort of navigate that. But there has to be a sense of like, um, man, I, I you know, the only thing that I think helped help me is is faith i mean everybody has to process everybody has to have a way to process yeah you need an what they're seeing yeah. what what they're dealing otherwise i mean you would just devolve into absolute despair if you if you did this job right. you know without a framework like that yeah i i i was at, at 12 years i was i was, I was turning into that person mm-hmm. i was turning yeah. into that person that i was like if i continue down the road going down this road i, I already didn't like the person i was becoming and mm-hmm. I was like, if I continue down this road, I'm going to be that person. This yeah. is, I got to exit. Um, but anyways, so, t- so what was the, what did you do or did, or did you not do very well that 
you know, on that shit to shine in five minutes, like, did you have a method of like going home and being a dad again and being a husband? Yeah. I don't know that I did it perfectly. Um, you know, for me, everything was, uh, I had really good, I really had really good mentorship, um, especially from my second chief. Um, the, the second guy that I, I served under after the first people were basically just straight up liars. This, yeah. this guy, this guy, like I remember early on when I went to the new department, we were hitting a door and, uh, I look over and we were stacking up to, to go into this house and I see the chief roll up. He had heard the call on his radio on the way into work and just pulls out. He's got a Ram and he, he's like stepping in front of me ready to hit this door. And I'm like, Oh hell yeah. I'm like this, this guy knows what's up. Right. And he gave me some really good advice early on in my career of things to avoid. Um, gave me a little booklet that a lot of cops get, but a lot of cops don't take seriously enough called emotional survival survival for law enforcement. It's really, it's a short read, but it's really good. And, uh, so I digested that. And then, uh, just focusing on, on faith and family and fun. I, I kept my hobbies, right? Like I kept things that I did. I, <clears throat> there's a trap that law enforcement officers fall into where they, their circle narrows to three three to five dudes that they talk to all the time. They try to get on the same shift with those guys, and so they become very close, but they also become very insulated. And I think that that's a really dangerous it thing become, because— It's an identity. It becomes part yeah. of your identity. Yeah. And you start to get super desensitized, and all you do when you get negative is then you just reinforce the negative with each other. And you're, it's, it's almost like the blind leading the blind, and you can't yeah. get out of the ditch. Yeah. And so for me— I think what kind of saved me is that um, I, well, I started writing in 2014 and I started, so I started blogging and that's where I got my start. Like never, I, I wasn't even a social media guy. Like I was, I was on Facebook, but I, I mean, I used it to connect with what Facebook was connecting with college people. Like, <laughs> oh, I graduated with them in the nineties. Like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like I remember I, those I, days. I wasn't a social media guy, but I started writing and that was really cathartic for me and very helpful for me. And I started seeing people reach out saying, wow, that was really helpful. And I was getting out of my bubble. I, so yeah. I, I was only five years into my career and that's like that three to five years where you start to get a little, like you realize I'm not changing the world. What am I going to do about this? And I went and just started sharing my thoughts. And that was very helpful for me to keep me out of it. And then jujitsu for me was um, a lifesaver probably in terms of like now I'm sharing the mats with just a bunch of people, right? Like yeah. not cops. I'm hanging out with non-cops. And obviously I had people at, at, at church. And so I had relationships that I was fortunate enough to – do to you, have you, outside of that world. Do you, do you feel like being a cop never really, I mean, it's funny that we say that because your persona is Mike the cop, but yeah, um, yeah. do you feel like your identity was never wrapped up with like what you did? Um, I probably, I probably had a range throughout my life. I think okay. probably by the time, um, so when, when I first got into law enforcement, um, a, about a year into my law enforcement career, my brother, like my, my flesh and blood brother was shot and killed. So also a cop. So when that happened, I think 
that for for the next couple of years I start I went really into that line where this is my whole identity, right? This is what it's about. And then um I think that I said it kind of came out of that and and then certainly when I started writing th- and and got exposed to a broader world, I was able to sort of open up and not just be so focused on my own day-to-day experience as a cop that I started uh, kind of opening back up again. So yeah. I, d- I didn't get stuck there. I think I went there, but I don't think I stayed there for too long. A lot, I think a lot of law enforcement, and actually I've given uh, lead, long, like long-form four- to eight-hour leadership lessons. Actually, it's funny. One of the times that that cop that got fired – he tried to harass me or arrest me was the same day. And the reason I didn't fight him back was uh, I had to go catch a flight to give a leadership seminar to the uh, <laughs> chiefs uh, state union. I don't know. They, they have like a union of chiefs for the whole state. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had to go give like an eight hour leadership lesson on transition to the <laughs> to these chiefs. And I was like, I really want to argue with you, with you officer, but, uh, about how you're, you're harassing and illegal, you know, doing illegal operations, but I really have to go talk to these chiefs. <laughs> it was funny. And he was threatened to arrest me. And I'm like, man, that would be ironic. Um, yeah. But anyways, but that is a big deal with uh, first responders and, and especially long, long careers and military is it becomes who you are. And then mm-hmm. when it ends, and as you know, it does end, regardless whether you want it to or not, at some point that will end. And mm-hmm. if you don't have other things and if you don't have other people, um, you will, you're going to be crushed, man. You're going to get crushed. Um, yeah, that's what everybody does is they, uh, they, they kill themselves for the job. Yeah. They make it their 25 years. They retire. Then they get a, then they get a security gig or a court right. officer gig and uh, when they're not there, everybody's forgotten about them at work. No, they don't. They're not. And needed. it shocks them, right? It's like, holy shit! Yeah. Why, I thought this was a brotherhood. Why? But no, it's they. They move yeah. on and, and they forget yep. about you. Yeah. Yeah, I have a handful of guys that I still talk to. Everybody else, you know, I could I could fall right in if we sat yeah. at a backyard barbecue or if I went to the department and I sat down, I could fall right back into conversation and smoking and joking and all that stuff. But at the end of the day. They are, they're not keeping up with, with my life that, you know, there's a, there's a handful, but people, they get out and then, then, and then it's just a big deflation. And if you have no sense of purpose beyond that job, that's why they die, man. They, they just, they eat too many Cheetos and yeah. If I'm not a cop, then who am I? I have nothing left. Yeah. Nothing left. I'm not a special operator. Who am I? You know? Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's such, that's such a scary thing. I mean, hell, I wrote the, I wrote, I wrote a book about it. Yes, Um, you did. So. Did you happen to read that? Yeah. Excellent. That's where, that's how I first heard of you. Oh, excellent. Yeah, man. That I realized like I had saw YouTube, I saw some of your YouTube videos on the, the gym harassment stuff, Yeah. which I saw, but I didn't pay attention to, you know, your name or who you were really. Yeah, I was yeah. just more interested in the topic the of it the itself. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's, well, that's stupid. That sucks. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh. So I was aware of that content and then I don't know how I saw the the book, The Excommunicated Warrior, and I was like, Oh wow, this this sounds good. And then I read that and I think that I like I tagged you or something like that in a story like, Hey, I, I just read this, this is really good and then then that's when I started like following you and then Excellent. whatever. So like, yeah, no that's that's good stuff. And we'll be talking about that soon too. Yeah. But yes, um huge, huge uh encouragement you know 
That is to, the number. I'd, I'd say probably the number two purchaser of that book is law enforcement. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So pivoting to, to more happier days, uh, <laughs> what, <laughs> you get out. You, Mike the cop becomes a thing, and then you said, okay, you went part time. What what did you flow into? Like what 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 was the transition like? What did you get into? So the first the first transition was to a startup company based out of Tampa, um, where. I was helping to set up marketing for um, social media influencers in our space that sort of like uh, a couple of law enforcement type creators, a couple of military guys um, setting up their stores, trying to do some marketing for them, running a print shop, basically kind of taking point on this startup company from a marketing and logistics standpoint. Um, So that project lasted me a year, which was the commitment, like, Hey, basically that was my role. And then I stepped out of that and was, and really had kind of hit my stride with, with working on Mike, the cop more full time. And then, uh, another buddy of mine had gotten into real estate when he got injured on the job and had just moved States and was lateraling to departments and tore all the tendencies in his gun hand and, uh, couldn't, oh. couldn't be a cop anymore. So he, uh, he got into real estate and was telling me, you'd love it, you'd love it, you'd love it. I eventually get my license and start doing it part-time. That that grows. And then one night over bourbon, we were like, I was able to transition into real estate and was a cop. You were able to do that. How did we both do that? And basically, we kind of realized the skills that we had developed over our careers were perfect for a service-based business if you apply it right and understand it right. So... Um, you know, we got good coaches and mentors uh, from the real estate world and kind of really shaped a, a whole system. And then then our project was born. We call it the 10-7 Project. So now we're helping cops, veterans, uh, other public safety professionals transition into uh, real estate business and then provide the coaching to them that kind of gives them, here, here's what this looks like to get from start to What's the connection know, with 10-7? Uh, so... I, I, my department's never used 10 codes really, but 10-7, the most common use, and, and different departments have different, they'll use the same numbers for different things, but the most common use is you're unavailable now. So if you're 10-8, you're clear and available, you're clear from your last call. 10-7 yeah. means you're busy. You can't be you can't be reached. So it's kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm, I've gone 10-7. You can't get me no more on the job. So that's the, uh, that's cool. the gist of it. So what's the, what's, do you have a URL for that? Yeah, it's the 107project.com, so T-E-N, then the number seven. And uh, yeah, man, we don't sell it. We, we have nothing to sell anybody. Um, you can join our team, and, and we would benefit from you succeeding. But we don't, we don't sell courses. We don't sell – yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't have any of that. Um, so awesome. we're, we're not really we're – we're, we're really truly on a mission to help 10,000 veterans and police officers and other first responders. To give them another, out, another yep. road yeah, to yep. travel. And I tell people all the time, man, like, that's like, like, what do I like, Nick, what do I do? I'm like, dude, you do, you you fucking do whatever. I don't give a shit what it is because Mm -hmm. by doing, you will then lead to the thing that you want to do. Yes. Just sitting on the couch being sad. (laughs) It's not going to get you to the (laughs) thing that you want to do. So get up and get outside and go start doing. So like, if even if it's, you know, like, well, I don't know what to do. Okay. Well, go you know, go 10, seven project, go do this, go do that. Go. Yeah. I mean, who knows, man, but you got to do, yeah. you got to do. So Absolutely. what else, what else? That's it, man. I'm trying to kind of figure out, um, like I said, I'm kind of re- going to retire the Mike, the cop thing. I think what made, what made Mike, the cop work 
was that I was always just myself. I'm not, I really, yeah, I made sketch videos and stuff, but I mean, really it was all based on real life experiences anyway. Like <laughs> yeah. that's how it was. And that's, and the why, further, it's, that's why it's funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause it's real, you know? So, yeah. um, and I feel, I feel like, man, two years after being removed from this, the, the further I am removed from day-to-day Same. police work, the, the more I'm just, not only am I just not in a place where I'm not thinking about it, um, but dude, like I realized I was staying attached in a lot of ways to some of the, some of the negativity mm-hmm. about it to where I'm living all of the bull crap with it, with my content. I keep putting myself in these negative mm-hmm. uh, patterns to keep this content alive, but that's not really what I'm doing day to day in my life. And if I'm going to continue to be authentic and feel free in being myself and content that I need to kind of make that shift and the audience that wants to stick around with me and, and listen great. And if they don't, that's, that's okay too. Same thing, bro. Same thing. Like, dude, I'm, I'm 10 years removed from special operations, 10 years. I am not, my day revolves around being a business owner and a dad and a husband and a mentor and a coach. Like, yeah, that's my day. Those are the, well, things what it that should I be is I, I thought this last night, by the way, when I, uh, I started the terminal list last night on, uh, on, I think it's on Amazon or whatever. So I was like, dude, why is Nick not the main character? You should, that should not be Chris Pratt. It should be you. I got to give it to Chris Pratt, though. He did a damn fine job. <laughs> I'm only an episode fun. and a half in. No spoilers. That's oh, us. my God. Well, I'm going to spoil it because I, I got I to cut it and make a reel out of this. I don't know what episode it is, but they bring up Marsock. Uh-huh. And, and the guy, the, the actor that, uh, that plays the, his friend, the CIA guy or whatever, uh-huh. he, yeah. goes, he goes, I don't know, the Marines, Raiders, Marsock, whatever the fuck they're calling themselves today. And I was like, oh, Ouch! <laughs> I like you guys, but damn, man, that was, that cut deep. <laughs> no, yeah. man, I'm so stoked for Jack, and uh, I, I we finished that series. Holy shit! Put Jack Ryan to shame. Yeah, I uh, shame. I was expecting. I don't know what. I guess. Um, oh, it I gets thought, fu- man, it gets I thought this is just going to be him going out on badass missions and stuff, no. and like, I was like, wow, this is not what i was expecting so and I, many I'm levels like, wow this I, is this is something and i think from and, and it's and i had to like my wife was watching it with me and i had to like stop and explain certain things right because they did a very very good job of highlighting the different levels of 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 that obviously it's a little bit of hollywood right there's Hollywood yeah, the sure. hollywood aspect to it but the layers of being a special operator and doing that job and 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 essentially in some way getting treated certain ways on the back end of that uh, sure. is all very, and of course, Jack, you know, <laughs> understands that to, you know, on a personal level, but, um, I would love, to, I would love to do that. My, my, one of my all time goals, and I'm going to hit it one day is to be in a, like a eighties action movie. <laughs> all right. An eighties, an eighties themed action movie. No, 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 not eighties themed, but remember like in the eighties, like the action are, are the movies that we grew up with. You know, yeah, Stallone, like Predator and Predator, and, Chuck Norris, yeah. you know, yeah, Delta yeah. Force, you know, all those right. kind of like, yes. you know, like <laughs> eating a ra- eating a rat while hanging upside down yes, in a POW yes. camp. Yeah. yeah, like how that to me, you know, shooting rockets from, you know, a helicopter or, you know, a motorcycle or I don't know, whatever, <laughs> man, uh, to me it would just be a, an absolute dream come true. It'd be so much right. fun to do an action movie. 
um, that way. So, okay, so Mike, we're, we're killing Mike the cop. He's going to be buried. Yeah, yeah I'm buried. just going to be Mike. Well, I don't know just, what I don't know what the future holds. <laughs> just Mike. Yeah, <laughs> just Mike. I've looked into that. That name's not available, so I probably have to do like ten seven Mike or something like that. And then somebody's going to hear this before I do it, and they'll they'll res- then they're going to hold it over my head and make dude. Me that's buy happened or to me. That's happened yeah, to me before. I can take stuff. They've taken they've taken it from me. Um, yeah. So what what does that mean for the podcast? What does it mean for your communication? Like, what's the what do you? You don't have to have an answer, and that and that's okay. Yeah. No, I mean so. Last year, I started a, a podcast with another guy named Eric Tanzi. Um, we were on a network. We're not anymore. Um, and so we have like a variety of styles of shows that kind of touch on from from law enforcement case breakdowns to true crime cases. Uh, we brought on a basic white girl to tell true crime for us. Is this that's failure to not, stop or yeah. something? Yeah, yeah, failure to stop. Failure to stop, okay. And uh, so we have like five different episode styles, and we just run it through the same feed. And, and so that's grown a lot in the last year, and that project will continue. And so um, that's where people, if if they really want to know what I think about you know current things, uh, law enforcement situations or or whatever, then there's an there will be an outlet for that for my audience that's interested in keeping up with with what I would have to say about law enforcement stuff. But it, it scales it such back that I just turn on the camera a couple times a week and just be myself and talk about it. But um, so there's that, and then we're gonna grow the ten seven social media and really I mean the next the next three to five years is is going all in on growing this. Uh, this large network of, of first responders doing real estate together. And so those I'm going to pour, I'm gonna pour my soul into that thing. So those are your two big focuses. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And so jujitsu. I got to do jujitsu. You got to do <laughs> Yeah. You take, you, what did you say to me the one time? You were like, listen, man, I'm a purple belt. I don't suck at jujitsu. <laughs> I'm not God's. I'm not. I always have to do that caveat. Like if yeah. I ever criticize like techniques or what I see, I'm like, listen, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to preface this like I'm not God's gift to jujitsu like you you very may, very may well just smash me yeah. but I'm not terrible I'm not like, terrible I'm not, <laughs> I, I, I'm not I'm not just going to get murked at a normal academy right, right like right. yeah stick me on the mats with Gordon Ryan and his crew and I'm probably going to feel like an infant in the hands of a yeah. grandfather with you right. know an old man story, whatever <laughs> it's but right. uh, yeah, I don't I don't suck, but I, I don't go around claiming to be really awesome either. <laughs> right, and and it's that's what I be- a beautiful thing about jujitsu is like no matter how good you get, you still kind of suck. Gosh, yeah, there's so many levels to the game, isn't there? Jeez, like you just like I've been I've been at it for three years, and I'm like, does this get better? Everybody's like, nah, it's pretty much no. the same every day. <laughs> nope, it never does. <laughs> I thought that too. I'm like, man, by the time I get to purple belt, this should get easy. And now I'm like on the cusp of, of my brown belt. And I'm just like, man, there's just still just no, no easy rolls, man. Is like there a light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> Mike, like, do I have something to look forward to here? And then what am I going to do when I get my black belt, J- jump into master worlds where this black guy's been a black belt longer than I've been trained. I'm just going right. to get destroyed. You know, that's a, that's see that to me, Matt epic roll told yeah. me that he goes he because he just got promoted what uh, six months ago or something like that yeah yeah congratulations to you matt um if you don't know and, and i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna plug epic roll um awesome awesome t-shirts rash guards everything if you like jujitsu go get some epic roll stuff i mean he's just the guy's clever <laughs> i'll leave it at that my first one was the neon belly because i i 
had my ribs <laughs> popped by somebody. So my wife gets me a neon belly shirt. I'm like, Thanks, babe. That was my first. When I first my shirt. first class, I was a white belt, and they were they taught neon belly in my first class, and I was like, "He's like, all right, we're gonna cover neon belly," and I was thinking N E O N. That's I'm what like, the shirt is. Weird, yeah, yeah. weird names, right? Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> "What?" And then and I was still so dumb, like founded by like what? And then I'm like. Oh, knee. knee, knee on the belly. That makes sense. This is grappling. I get it. I get it. I can do this. <laughs> Anyways, go so check them out. But he told me he's like he got promoted to black belt, and then he went and did his competition. He's like, dude, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm a black belt, but this guy's been doing jujitsu longer than I've been. <laughs> the long. white belts have black belts. Yeah, right. He's yeah. like, he's like, I'm basically starting over. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm an ass, ass clown. Um, yeah, man. So I guess it's a good thing though, right? Because you never peak, right? The best is yet to come. You never peak. Yeah, and that says a lot about people that when you do see people that have been in been in jujitsu that long, that's it says something, you know. It says something about the person's character yeah. and their and their their tenacity. If if they've been in it that long, man, like you get you start seeing brown belts and black belts, dude. That's like. They've they've shown some commitment. It's, yeah, and <laughs> to, that's and 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 I think that if you're you know, I'm, you know, people are going to say whatever, whatever. But I really do think, man, if you're in business, you should do jujitsu because of that. Yeah. Because it, it yes. It, because one, it's a great stress reliever. Um, it makes you yes. more confident. Two, um, it obviously, if, if you, God forbid, you ever needed to get into a situation, you know how to physically manhandle someone. I love the breakdown videos that you do of people of cops that don't do jujitsu and you're like, Gosh. look at this guy. <laughs> you know? um, and I can only imagine from your point of view of how how frustrating that is. Yes. But three, it's a really, man, it's, it's like you just said, it's the work, right? It's, it's the never ending work because mm -hmm. you don't get better. I mean, you get better, but you don't ever really get better. You just, there's no finish line. There's no yep. point of arrival. It's just the work. And I think yeah. that when you, when you, if you're in business, it's something that you really need to understand as well Is like there, you know, there, even if you sold your company, there's no finish line. It's just yeah. work. And then it's yeah. the next thing. And it's just more work after that. Well, that's the lie. It, 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 what it does is it combats the lie that we feed people through our education system is that there is an arrival point. Right. Yeah, you get you get that you get the degree, then you get your your spouse, and you get the picket fence, and you 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 at some point arrive, and you'll feel completely satisfied when you get there. It's a lie, and it's a lie. It's a it's, a, it's, lie. it's just not yeah. true. Yeah. And the more the more you begin to understand that about jujitsu and you start opening your eyes to like how that relates to business to life you're like your relationships oh, my, yeah. i'm not re retirement isn't a word that exists for me i'm yeah. just gonna keep i'm gonna keep doing yeah until i i can't do anymore and then that's it that transition to what's next is just yeah that's what's next it never ends <laughs> it's just a slow like there's no blow up there's no yeah. any of that. It's just a slow, steady climb all the way. Yeah. And those who are successful, the ones that just don't quit climbing, don't yeah. quit doing the work. Yeah. So where can people find you, Mike? Uh, if I mean, if right now, if they look up Mike, the cop, I'm probably <laughs> going to be the guy that does it. There's a cop in New York that is really mad that I took that name. Um, and you might find him and he hates me. So you'll have, you'll have fun watching him make fun of me sometimes. But uh, other than that, you'll probably stumble into me. 
So then, go find uh, Mike the Cop and follow him right now. Instagram? <laughs> yeah, Instagram's yeah. great. Go, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. Go go find him and follow him right now because he's going to change his name, and you're going to be like, "What's the, where do I find this guy? Um, but yep. if you go on Mike the Cop on YouTube, there's it goes forever. <laughs> it goes forever. Um, all right, man. And then and then your uh, your podcast and then the Ten Seven Project. We'll put all the links below. And, yeah, dude, uh, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be the first interview, the first guest on the Ten Seven Podcast, man. We're gonna blow. It I've been waiting water. for it. I've been waiting for this because after I read, I, I I knew when I read read your book, I was like, oh, this is this is this is the first one. This yeah, is what well, we got to talk I, about. I can I can break all that stuff down um, with my eyes closed, man. Um, Heck and I yeah! Got, and what I'm gonna share, I'm gonna share a uh, a story that nobody knows about on your podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna mic the cop drop. Can't say mic nice. drop because that's Mike <laughs> Ridland. But I'm gonna mic cop, mic the cop drop on the 107 podcast. Um, I love it. All right, guys, listen. If you know someone who, if you know someone who needs this podcast, don't be an island to yourself. Don't be a keeper of the badge. Go share this information. Share this message with people. They need to hear it. Um, and then, you know, you know the deal, give it us a thumbs up. Let's beat the damn algorithm. Um, yeah. because the people do not want the, want you to hear this information. So if you're hearing it, share it with somebody else that needs to hear it, pay it forward until then. Thanks, Mike. And we'll Thank see everybody you, on the next episode. Uh-huh.